Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. That's where we'll be this morning. Do you see what I see is the new sermon series that we've started. And it's really looking at Christmas and the, the, the traditional Christmas story that we all grew up and loved, whether it's through Charlie Brown's Christmas or whatever it may be and however you may learned it. We're, we're going to look at maybe a little different twist on this on this Christmas story this season and I think it's going to be really helpful for you and as we look at this video we look at a young lady and and some of you know her as Chantal but we are going to know her as Jane this morning and Jane's sitting there at a picnic table and she's looking out at a couple who's having a great time they're laughing they're enjoying each other they're happy um, some some newly married couples in here are happy David and Leanne and all these people just happy and enjoying life and and as she's looking at them she, she reaches for her ring on her finger in this video. And there's a couple of different things that I would love for you to put your mindset in this morning. Is One, as we look at Jane, uh, what is she thinking? Is she, is she the, the young lady who, who is hoping maybe to be single, uh, not be single, but be married this Christmas? Maybe she's been single every other Christmas and she's ready to really find somebody and she's, she's twisting a purity ring right here, believing that God's going to bring her somebody. And, and she's asking this question to God that oftentimes we ask, God, do you, do you see what I see? Or maybe... Maybe it's a, it's a young lady. Maybe Jane represents a woman who is having a, just a really challenging time in marriage right now. And she's looking at some other couples who are having a great time in marriage. Their, their marriage is happy. It's, it's, it's life-giving. But their marriage is, is, her marriage is tough. And her husband's nowhere to be found in this moment. And she's just wondering, God, do you, do you see what I see? Or maybe... Jane is this, this woman who has been widowed, and she's looking at a couple, and she remembers how things used to be, but they're no longer that way, and she's wondering and asking this question, God, do you see what I see right here? Or perhaps she is a woman, and her wife or her husband is in the oil field, and he's working a hard blue-collar job, and he's been gone for 21 days on an oil rig, and here she is, and she's, she's asking this question, God, do you see what I see? And so that's how we wanted to approach this sermon series this time. We wanted to approach it with the idea of as we look at life and we look at our circumstance and we look at situations, God, do you see what I see? And, and y'all may remember the, 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 the song. Do y'all remember the song? Do you, do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? It, it's a great Christmas song. And in this moment, we, we're asking this question, God, do you see what I see? Do you, do you see what I see when, when it comes to my marriage? Or maybe, maybe perhaps do you see what I see when it comes to my chi- kids right now, right now, my children? 
Do you see what I see? And so you constantly are asking this question over and over and over again. And Jane in this video, I just want to let you know right now, Jane is actually you and me. It's actually you and me. You see, we've, we've all had those questions. We've all seen life in that way. We've all seen what's happening. And we're asking these questions right now. You see, it maybe, maybe it's the, you're the teacher who's been punching in the clock year after year. Maybe you're a third-year teacher. Maybe you've been teaching for year, three years. Maybe 13 years. Maybe 33 years. And you're wondering, do I really matter? Do I really make a difference? And you're asking this question. And, and, and I want to just let you know that, that God today wants to let you know he sees what you see. He sees where you are. He sees the questions that you have. He, he, he's amazing, and this is what God has done. He has revealed himself to us in an extraordinary way. Ordinary people who are asking these questions of the blue-collar worker who's punching in the clock eight to five. He's, he's constantly punching in and punching out and, and going home to his life, and he's working so well, and, and he's doing, he's faithful with this, but he's just asking this question. Do you see what I see? And God says, yes. Yes, I see what you see. I see what you see. I want to pray before we read this morning. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for these hard questions and these answers. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would just come right now, Father, and just reveal your heart to us. Lord, I thank you, Father, for whoever's Come to Luminous today, Lord, as we have these questions and we're asking, Lord, what is it life is about and the meaning of life? And, Lord, these deep questions that college students have and single moms and parents and wherever people may be, we're asking these questions. Lord, I pray that you would reveal this to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, so we read the traditional story in Luke chapter 2. We read, about, we read about the shepherds. Y'all remember the shepherds growing up? Y'all read them in the Christmas stories. Y'all read them in the books. Y'all read about the shepherds. And y'all read about how these shepherds are amazing. But you kind of wonder, oh, what's the point of the shepherd? Have you ever wondered what the point of the shepherd is? Like, why the shepherd? I mean, the story's really about Jesus. And yet we have the shepherds. And I, I hope today that you would leave with knowing that there is a point to, to the shepherds. There's a reason that Luke 2 was written. It's, it's going to apply to you. The first off, the first thing that we notice is when God decided to save the world, he revealed his plan first to the angelic host, and then secondly, he revealed it to shepherds. He revealed it to shepherds, these, these sheep herders, these people who, who weren't very high in society. They, they were just ordinary people, if you will. They were just the eight to five job. They were the blue collar worker. Here they are. And we see this in Luke 2, 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. That night, these shepherds, so ordinary, they're out in the field with their sheep, guarding their flocks in the middle of the night. What does that mean? That alludes to the fact that they're sleeping with the sheep. 
How, how many of you, your husbands have come home, uh, maybe from the ranch or something like that, and they smell like sheep, and, and you don't want to talk to them, you don't want to interact with them, because they stink, they smell, and this is the shepherds, they, they are actually stinky, very stinky people right here, and they're out there in the middle of nowhere, and they're just doing their eight to five, they're tending to the sheep, and they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, they're, they're clocking in and clocking out. And what's fascinating about this is the shepherds were considered unclean people. Considered unclean because they were dirty from being outside, out in, out in the countryside. Considered dirty because they weren't ceremonial clean. And yet, God chose to reveal himself to these shepherds. And I imagine just like you probably imagine in your eight to five job, maybe whether you're a, a teacher or a mom or you've been, you've been going to work day in, day out on the factory for years. Maybe you've been clocking in at the hospital and you may ask this similar question that I think I wonder if the shepherds ask themselves. Is this all there is to life? Is this all there is to life? Is this really all I'm going to do the rest of my life? Am I just going to clock in, clock out, go home, watch a season Netflix, and then go to bed and do it all over again? Rinse and repeat. Is that all there is? Is there going to be more to life than this? Is there something more significant than this? And at the same time, the shepherds were great for what they did. They're clocking in and clocking out. Just like everybody and just like this woman right here who's asking this question, do you see what I see, God? It's, it's no different. It's just that you may think you're not extraordinary, but you are. In your ordinary life, you, you're asking these questions, and, and yet you're still being faithful with what God has given you, aren't you? You're being faithful to sow. You're being faithful to show up. You're being faithful to do what you're supposed to do. You're being faithful to show up at 8 o'clock on time. You're, you, this is what God's called you to do. And yet, in the middle of this, in this Christmas season, as you are faithful and you, you're going forward, you, you wonder, am I going to be able to do what God's called me to do? Am I going to be able to provide presents under the tree this Christmas? Am I going to be able to provide for people this Christmas? Am I, am I able to pay the medical bills that just came out? And as you're going through life, you're holding your breath. Have you ever held your breath through life as you're going through your eight to five, hoping the transmission doesn't fall out of your car? Because if the transmission were to fall out of your car, that could ruin possibly Christmas for this year. It was similarly to me this morning as I was getting ready for Luminous Church, and I got into my Tahoe, and I began to start it, and, and the worst thing in the world happened. Nothing, right? It, it didn't turn over, and you realize, my battery is dead. At, at 5.30 in the morning, my battery is dead. What am I going to do? And it's those moments you're like, God, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Like, God, I'm, I'm, you know, I got to get a message ready. I got to preach. I got I to gotta get, you know, ready for the people. I, you know, I got to go love our church. I got to turn on the AC. I got to open it up, right? I have to do this stuff. Do you, do you see what I see? Have you ever asked God that question? Maybe a circumstance in a life situation or something happens. You ask God, do you see what I see? And, and then suddenly, verse 9, an ordinary people who are tending their flocks, so they're clocking in and clocking out. 
hoping and believing for the best, hoping that, that they're just going to be faithful and they're going to provide for their families. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Do you imagine being terrified as well? Living your ordinary life, going to your employer, just working, just, just tending to the sheep, just tending to the field, making your PB&J sandwiches as a mother and, and doing, doing what you're supposed to do. And then an angel shows up. You would be terrified. And God shows up and, and they were terrified. But in verse 10, the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news. That'll bring great joy to all people. I bring you good news that'll bring great joy to all people. This statement was given to an ordinary people, but this had extraordinary significance. That I am entrusting an ordinary people with an extraordinary message, a message of good news for all people. That this good news would come for every person in every situation, in every seat, in every park, no matter how you look and what you're looking at, that Jesus came to say, I'm going to bring good news for all people. Good news in your present circumstance. And what was so powerful about this is he didn't go to the Pharisee first. He didn't go to the teacher first. He didn't go to the worshiper first. He went to the shepherd. He went to the shepherd because if I go to the shepherd, then everybody would actually believe that the message is for them. You see, if I, it would be one thing if I went to the elite of, or, or the, the, the high class in the society or, or those who are ceremonial clean and are able to enter into the temple. But I'm going to go to some shepherds who have never even entered a temple, perhaps. I'm going to go to them. And reveal this good news. I'm going to reveal it to the hardworking blue-collar worker. I'm going to reveal it to the single mom who's just trying to get her three kids to church on time. Somebody. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to reveal it to them. I'm going to reveal it to the college student who has been clocking in and clocking out. And they're, they're on their fifth semester, sixth semester, 10th semester. I didn't know college took 10 semesters. It does for some people. Come on. But I'm going to reveal it to them. They've just been faithful, the ordinary, the hardworking. I'm going to reveal it to the rich, but I'm also going to reveal it to the poor. I'm not going to let um, economical divides get in the way of the good news for all people. Therefore, I'm going to go to the shepherds because the shepherds are trustworthy of this message. Verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. I'm, I'm going to reveal this to them, and I'm going to tell them about the Messiah. And this is what's extraordinary in this moment is as, as the baby's being born, the host of heaven starts singing about the birth of Christ. 
I love this because host actually means army. That God began to assemble his army so that they could sing about the birth of Christ in this moment. And why is this important? Because this is what families did. Whether you were rich or you're poor, when you had a firstborn son, you would hire bands. And you would say, hey, I want you to sing about my boy. You know, I just had a boy. I want you to go sing about him. Tell everybody in the town about him. Everybody knew when a boy was born. Everybody knew when a firstborn was born because there was a concert that night. That concert would just travel around announcing the good news. I had a first son boy. This is amazing. I'm so excited about it. And then at the funerals, during the funeral of a firstborn son, they would likewise hire choirs and hire musicians to go play so that they would mourn together and they would bring about mourning in the city. Isn't that true? That's why the scripture says that we would rejoice with those who rejoice and we'd mourn with those who mourn. This was a practical way they did this in the early scripture, that they would rejoice when a firstborn would come. It showed and reveals to us the commitment of family that this culture had. And I want to tell you that God is a family God, and he cares about family. And when his son was born, he didn't have to hire or pay a, pay a choir. He assembled an army. He assembled his legion of army uh, angels, and they sang, and they sang for God was here. And it told us something in this moment. That, that when, when something significant happens, we should assemble the armies of worship and we should start worshiping what God has already done. We should start worshiping what God is about to do. That worship is a weapon. Have you ever heard that? That worship is a weapon and it helps us in this moment. And this is what was happening. And this is what he, he, he told the angels. And then he told the shepherds. And his son is being worshipped. And the shepherds are hearing this song, this anthem. When the angels had returned to heaven in verse 15, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And here in this moment, we recall that the, the last person expected to be picked was the first person that God picked. The last people that we expected God to pick were the first people that God picked. And the question is, why? Why did he pick the, the shepherds? What was the reason? And, and I think, or I want to hypothesize maybe three things, three reasons why he picked the shepherds. The first one is the shepherds clocked in. Shepherds clocked in much like the blue-collar worker clocks in every day. Much like the person who's just faithful to the job, they just clock in. This is what the shepherds did. They just, they punched in. They were on the job. And because they were so faithful in clocking in, they knew of the land. They knew where the green pastures were. 
They knew where the water wells were. They knew where to take these sheep. Because they clocked in, they, they knew what was happening. This is maybe one of the reasons why God picks ordinary people, because they know how to clock in. You know, one reason why he picks that single mom, because she knows, she knows how to clock in and make that lunch every day. She knows how to make those PB&J sandwiches only she can make, and she cuts off the crust, and it's awesome. And we remember those days, and we remember that she clocked in. It, it, it makes something ordinary a little more than ordinary. It makes somebody who, who you just think is just ordinary going through the rut, makes them a little bit more extraordinary. Not only did the shepherds clock in, the shepherds steward their sheep. This is an amazing thing about shepherds. If you know a shepherd, is he will leave the 99 and go after the one that's lost. And there's a lot of things to be known about that. One, how did he know that one was lost out of 100? Because the shepherd was a great steward. He was a great steward, but he would also leave the 99 in the safety of proximity, and he would go after the one. This is what shepherds do, is they go after those who are hurting, those who are lost, those who are alone, those who are down and out, those who need a pick-me-up. This is what Jesus does in John chapter 10. This is how he describes it in verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me this is who jesus is you see jesus clocks in but jesus also is a great steward where he knows his sheep and they know him it's fascinating have you ever grown up knowing a set of identical twins anybody in here known a set of identical twins it's it's very fascinating knowing identical twins because you never know which one is which? You know, it's like, I, I don't know you apart. And so you, you start mixing up their names all the time. And then you just start combining the names like uh, Kimston, uh, uh, Chrisom. You know, as you start combining Kristen and Kim together. And I had a friend, um, two friends, Kristen and Kim. And, and they were identical twins. And I could not tell them apart at all. I mean, it was the hardest thing. They, they, could, they could play a prank on you. They could go to work for each other. They looked that much identical um it was amazing it was incredible and and I kept messing up their name and I realized hey I'm not being a great friend right because friends know your name and they can tell you apart and so what I realized is I started to get to know Kristen and Kim we started hanging out I, I started um getting to know their characteristics I knew, I knew that, uh, you know, um, Kim was an artist and Kristen was an engineer. I, I, I knew that how they were different. I, I knew where the freckle was on, on, on one's face and not the other's face. I, I knew which side it was. And, and, and I worked for a long time to not confuse the names. I didn't call Kristen with the freckle, Kim without the freckle. Like, I just kept, kept saying their names and getting to know them and, this is amazing is because when you get to know somebody and get to know who they are and you're around them, you get to identify them as their name. And this is important because this is what shepherds would do. Shepherds, when they saw the sheep, they would know their sheep by their name and they would know the shepherd. They could tell them apart. It is incredible what is happening. And, and I just want to let you know that, that God is a good steward, and when he looks at you who's clocking in and clocking out, 
When he's looking at you when you're showing up day in and day out. When you aren't checked out of what life and your circumstance and your family. The blue-collar worker who's worked so hard has come home, and, and there they are. They're putting food on the table and, and showing up with the best they know how that God sees they're a great steward. They're a great steward with what I've given them. And then thirdly, a shepherd cares. This is important to know that a shepherd cares. In Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. See, they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. This is amazing because we see a shepherd's heart through the way that Jesus shepherds us. You see, when Jesus saw you and me and these, these ordinary people who are sitting there day in and day out, and maybe we're at the picnic table and we're looking at everybody else's life and we're wondering, God, do you see what I see? Do you see how maybe I'm lonely in this season? Do you see how maybe I'm not going to be able to provide in this season? Do you see that maybe I wish I, I was in a different circumstance or a different family this season? Do you see what I see? Jesus looks at you and he says, I see what you see. I see what you see, but I see so much more than that. I see so much more than that. I see all that you could be and all that God has done. And, and he trusted shepherds with this message to tell people that God sees what you see. He trusted, he trusted the ordinary person who's punching the time clock saying, I trust you with this message that, that I see all that God has called you to be. And ordinary people were entrusted with good news. They were entrusted with good news. And they go and they go to Bethlehem and they show up and they see Jesus. And when they see Jesus, they see this baby. They, they see him wrapped up in, in what Charlie Brown would say, swaddling cloths. He's in these swaddling clouds. When I think of a swaddle, I, I think of um, how to keep my son Benson and Brielle not to cry when they were kids. Any other parents who were like, I love the swaddle. I need the swaddle. Where can I get a swaddle? I need to go to Babies R Us, but that doesn't exist anymore. Can somebody tell me where we can get a swaddle? It's sad days. It's just sad. And they see baby Jesus in, in a swaddle. They see him in, these, in, this, in this cloth, and as they do, Something happened that changed their perspective. You see, it's believed by scholars that when a sheep was raised, it would provide for the blue-collar worker. When a sheep was raised, it would provide for its meat, for its wool. It would be provision for their family. It would be provision for the Christmas season. It would be provision for everything that they would need. But every once in a while, when a lamb was born, it would be the perfect lamb of the litter. You see, it would be perfect in every way without, without spot or wrinkle. It would be a spotless lamb. And with the spotless lamb, they would grab that lamb and they would wrap it in a swaddling cloth. And in that swaddling cloth, it represented we're saving this one. For the sacrifice. We're saving this one to take away sins. And when they heard about Jesus, and when God revealed that to them, they went into the manger and they saw Jesus, the king, the spotless lamb, 
wrapped in a swaddling cloth. And they knew from that moment that this baby has purpose. That this baby has purpose. And although I was an ordinary shepherd, God showed up and revealed an extraordinary purpose. That I'm supposed to see who Jesus is and how he is the lamb that was slain and the lamb that was set aside and he is the king of kings and I am supposed to go and tell of all that he has done and all that he's going to do that he is the lamb that has come to take away the sins of the world. God, when he chose the shepherds, he was making a bet on blue-collar workers. When he, chose, when he chose the ordinary, he was making a bet on, on something more than the ordinary, but somebody with extraordinary potential. He was looking at you and me, and he was saying, these people have extraordinary potential. He bet on the, the hardworking person who's clocking in and out, and he's saying, hey, hey, I see what you see, but I see something greater. He's looking at the single mom and he's saying, I know your circumstance. I know how hard it is to provide, but I see something amazing in you. I see something amazing inside of you. He's looking at the engineer who's faithful to go in and out, in and out, clock in and out. He's saying, you know what? You're more than just an engineer. You're extraordinary. And I'm revealing something to you to make a difference in this world. I'm starting to reveal things in you that you would not even believe. I know that you've been teaching maybe for three years, 13 years, 33 years, but I want to tell you that's not, that wasn't wasted time. That God is doing something incredible with that time. He's doing something extraordinary with that time. That God has not given up on you. He sees the college student who's saying, God, do you see what I see? It's another final. It's another exam. It's another the week. Do you see what I see? I can't even focus on my family right now. God's saying, I see what you see, but let me show you what I see. Let me show you how amazing God is. You know, during this um, Christmas season, Brandy and I and the kids have moved into an apartment. We're living in a two-bedroom apartment, and it's been awesome. I mean, it's, you know, you never know a family until you live in close proximity together. You know, we, we send you on the mission trip for a short 10-day trip, but you need to go live somewhere in close proximity, you know, where you can hear each other breathe at night. You need to do that, and it's going to change your life. And, and we've, we've been doing that, and God's been awesome in it, and it's been so great. But, but I got the spirit of complaining on me sometimes. Does anybody else have that spirit? You know, I, where I'm just a little myopic. Where, where sometimes I don't see the full picture. I'm so nearsighted in, in, in the way that I look at life. And, and we decided this Christmas season, since all of our Christmas stuff is in storage, we're going to pull out ornaments and we're going we're gonna to hand make ornaments. And so we bought this Black Friday tree that was like $20 and it's only going to last maybe a season and then we'll donate it, I'm sure. And, and we started doing crafts every night. We started doing crafts and we started making stars and we started making ornaments and we started making uh, reindeer and trees and all sorts of stuff. And, and my kids are like zealous for it. In fact, every time Benson comes home from from school he's like hey can we can we make a craft can we make craft I'm like boy can we like throw a ball or something I don't, I'm just kidding um 
I was like, can we make a craft? And, and he gets so excited, and, and he's excited about this season and excited what God's going to do. And, and you know what I realized in this season of, of, of Christmas, and do you see what I see? I, I've been sitting back there looking at God. God, do you see what I see? We've been in this apartment a long time. I'm getting kind of tired of it. God, do you see what I see? All our stuff's in storage. I, I don't even know what we're going to do for Christmas. God, do you see what I see? I've been wearing the same jacket for three months because I don't know where my jackets are. God, do you see what I see? And I keep going to God. Do you see what I see? Because, you know, it's not great right now. Sometimes it's a little lonely right now. Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm going to be single forever right now. I wonder how long this marriage is going to hurt right now. Do you see what I see, God? I'm just asking this question. And, and God's saying, I, I, I see what you see, but I see more than you see. I see potential in you. I see what God wants to show you. I want to, see, I want to show you what God wants to reveal to you as you're faithful, as you steward it, as you're like a shepherd. As you clock in and clock out every day and you show up. And I've been telling Brandy, babe, you've been doing it. You've been clocking in and clocking out and, and clocking in and clocking out. And you've been showing these kids how to do crafts and how to love Christmas and how to love each other and how to love this family. And, and I just know that she's not as myopic as me, that she's not as myopic, that she's seeing what God sees and not just what she sees. I want to encourage you, Luminous, why am I so fired up this morning? It's because the lights were wigging out, and babies were crying, and we were just trying to be a family, and I was wanting to take off my shoes and just sit up here. But instead, I just wanted to say, man, God sees what you see, but he sees so much more. He sees so much more. He sees the potential and the greatness of how you can make a difference. If he entrusted shepherds, he can entrust you. If he entrusted shepherds who were unclean, he entrusts you with your family, with your workplace, with your neighborhood, with your city, with your children, with your friends. He trusts you to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus and how God can do extraordinary things with an ordinary people. Come on, somebody. Look, you stand with me this morning. <clears throat> God's constantly saying this. Whenever you ask him, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see in this lonely world? Do you see what I see in this moment, this circumstance? Do you see what I see? He's saying, I see your potential. And I see how God wants to use that potential for his greatness and his glory. Would you keep going, church? Would you keep fighting? Because this is just beginning. We're going to do this for a couple of weeks. And we're going to get God's perspective. As he looked at the shepherds, we're going to get God's perspective for our life and for one another and for this city. We're going to get God's perspective of how he wants us to share this good news, how he entrusted the shepherds. Here's the thing about shepherds. They were given the good news, not only because of all those things, but shepherds talk. They went around the mountainside talking about what they've seen. And I think that's an encouragement for us this morning. Would we go around the mountainside, if you will, metaphorically, or the hillside, or the hill country, or the school, or the neighborhood, or the bend in the road? Would we go around, would we tell people about who Jesus is and what he's done for our life? Father, we thank you for who you are, God. And we praise you this morning, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you gave us a weapon, and that's to worship. 
And our worship will be our anthem and our cry in whatever season we're in. And you've given us a message, and that's your gospel. That's the good news. Would that go forth today out of our lives in every way? Lord, I pray that you would bless those who came in, and you would bless them as they go out. In Jesus' name.